Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of Art Supply Posse, a podcast about art supplies and the people that use them. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Art Snacks. I'm Anna Reinert, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Heather Rivard. We have a uh, kind of a goofball episode this week, don't we? Yeah, kind of like following up a little bit on the on the bits of the color episode that we didn't quite get to last week, um, plus some some just goofy stuff we found on the news that we thought would be fun to chat about. Yep, kind of a little bit all over the place, and um, and as has been par for the course for me this week, I may or may not kill a computer. I was just going to say, before we jump into that, though, I think the computers of the world need to know. <laughs> You're just burning through laptops, aren't you? <laughs> so last, mm, I think Thursday, I got a new laptop at work, and this morning I killed it. How, how, did, this, how did this happen? All I, I think I just saw you post on Twitter, like, your, your MagSafe charger, and you're like, this is all that remains of my new work laptop. Yes, and the, uh, the, uh, the IT specialist said for me to keep the MagSafe charger because if it managed to make its way back to the IT cages, I would never see it again. Um, no, they, they do the same thing at the Apple store. And I always feel, yeah, like they leave it with you as a talisman, like carry this with you and remember your computer. <laughs> this way you will get yours back. Um, yeah. No, I'm not entirely sure what I did. Um, pretty much ever since I got it, I've been having issues between um, because we work in a server environment. We don't use suitcase for our font management. We use universal type client, a universal type server. So it's mm-hmm. UTC and UTS. Um, and for some reason, my Illustrate, my Adobe Illustrator um, auto activation plugin has never worked with mm. the um, type core with Extensus. So the two were just never talking to each other. And so I spent most of Friday and all of this morning on the phone having them install and reinstall and reinstall either the plugin or Illustrator or <laughs> both or the universal type client, this whole thing. And basically um, this one specific tech who is sort of our, one of our Mac specific techs was finally just like, Oh, just bring me the laptop and I'm going to reblast it. There's something wrong with this hard drive. And so in the process of trying to just copy off the couple of files that I had actually been working on for the last couple of days, um, my computer actually crashed while I was copying oh, the files from my computer to my coworker's computer. So like I had like four files I was working on and I like was moving them from my machine to her machine just to, so that I was saving them somewhere. And it literally mm-hmm. like in the middle of copying, just like restarted itself. And then like, I got like the little message at the beginning that's like, there's something wrong with this machine. I'd never seen this message before. So I basically just picked up the laptop oh, and took it and took it to the tech. And I'm like, <laughs> held it, held it up before you sort of three like, feet in front of you. Like I do not, over. <laughs> I don't want to touch this thing. It might like electrocute me. Yeah. So I just took it away oh, to him and gosh. I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I came back and, um, my art director comes back tomorrow from maternity leave. So like our fill-in art director was like basically the only person who came to work today. And she's like, forget it. Go home. Get out of here. You can't do any work because you don't have a computer. Oh, so. man. That's intense. Yeah, yeah. Well, you work at a big company. So I think they do some of that fancy like enterprise, you know, setups with making sure that you can get all the licenses and access whatever shared shared storage you guys have on site yeah so it's a little bit more complicated than like just pulling out your macbook from the apple store and like putting in your like google account or whatever and getting dropbox downloaded or exactly yeah there's a lot more room for error and that kind of a thing yeah so while we're not necessarily a tech podcast occasionally you have those moments where you're thinking huh there's a lot more technical stuff in our in our world than I than I imagined. Yeah, I mean we're not a tech podcast, but we are a podcast, right? So it's like <laughs> like talking about art through the computer portal, and when the computer stops working, it makes it a little harder. Yep. So and I was yeah. all mad because I'd already put you know my new my desktop pattern up, and you know changed my icons and like made my Aww. computer all pretty. <laughs> Which is like the most oh, important gosh. stuff because they don't do like migration assistant at work. So like 
none of that stuff comes across. And it's like, unless it's my actual desktop pattern, like I can't work, I can't function if it's something else. It has to be this like one particular pattern. So, Well, I think we may have mentioned this before on the show, but you are on a, you record on a computer that is like prone to make some pretty good fan noise. Um, and and so that's like a step in the editing that I do every week is like isolate that fan noise and like take it down a little bit so we, we chat about it all the time and so I think that was like the joke I made this morning that was like mm, your little spinning hard drive at home is probably feeling pretty smug like well how's that new MacBook uh, treating you yeah my not not very well <laughs> my crappy little 13 inch MacBook Pro at home that's three and a half four years old it's just humming along making a ton of noise but it still works. It still works. <laughs> we got to keep on chucking into that good old uh, Art Supply Posse piggy bank to to get you a sparkly new podcasting laptop. It's totally. gonna happen someday. Someday, <laughs> our pennies our pennies will chink together just long enough. And you know, tomorrow's the big Apple update, so maybe they'll announce. They won't yeah. announce any laptops. Yeah. It won't happen. No, they're not going to do that. They're just going to make everybody cry. So that's all right. Every, everybody's prepared though. Should we talk about colored pencils instead? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so um, our our good friend um, Lee from Art Snacks, who um, in addition to being uh, one of the two-person team behind Art Snacks that has obviously been uh, a ton of support to us, uh, Lee's just been involved with the project from the beginning and talking to us and was interested about getting some sort of art supply podcast going in general and he sent us this link <laughs> that that we came upon when we were actually like having a little scheduling meeting talking about the show and like what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks and this was I think the sort of perfect podcast conversation where you're like doing some business with your co-host and then all of a sudden it's like we have to shut this conversation down until we turn on a recorder because we were we were like five minutes into arguing about this before we realized we had to stop talking so there is a new um, Faber-Castell um, collected box um, from Carl Lagerfeld, the fashion designer, that includes all of their um, colored pencils, their pit markers. Um, there's, um, I don't even know what else is in here, but it is a huge wooden box with a silhouette of Carl Lagerfeld's big head and his ponytail and the whole nine yards um and each each drawer in this black lacquer box is subdivided by color for anyone who is as uh ocd as i am so there's the yellow yellow drawer the red drawer the blue drawer the green drawer um all the graphite tools in the top drawer um it's like a limited edition set um there's 350 different tools in it. There's only 2,500 of these sets being made. Um, but the uh, kicker, <laughs> the stupid <laughs> set costs $2,850. Oh, gosh. <laughs> which is, as far as I'm concerned, bananas. Okay. But it's so goofy. Like, even if it didn't cost $3,000, like, I... This this was what we were talking about. So there's this uh, woman who I like started following um, after she did a long form podcast interview. Her name is uh, why did I I put it in the notes there? Um, Anne Helen Peterson, and she helped me understand. Uh, she like studies Hollywood and public relations, and she's helped me understand that there is a distinct thing that is called like somebody's public life and their public perception, which is quite different, right, from who they are as a person. So Mr. Lagerfeld, I do not know anything about him, right? Perhaps he adopts kittens in his spare time and just is a a, a lovely, generous person. His public persona makes me want to laugh like every time I see him. I feel like going and tapping him on the shoulder and being like, Mr. Lagerfeld, I think you might be more comfortable in this indoor heated environment if you would take off your sunglasses and uh, unbutton your collar a bit, because that looks like a pretty uncomfortable look you got going there. <laughs> like, and then you could see, you could look at other people, and you could occasionally like emote with your face. Like that would be 
that seems like a more pleasant way to move through this social environment. <laughs> and so when I see this huge lacquered black box of colored pencils, I think that is such a lovely, silly expression of my understanding of this person's like public personality translated into art supplies. And so I just see it and it just, it tickles me. I think it's ridiculous. Now, I know that at some point, Karandash did a similar box. Now, it wasn't branded to any specific like artist or designer or anything like that. But I know that they had some giant box set of some sort. Um, and I'm, I've been digging around on their website and I can't seem to find it. I know they had, but I know they have like their huge, like, like the full set of all of the super color and all the Pablo pencils, which is $725 for the box for hundred and Yeah, I've seen those before. Yeah, they have like, it's basically just a big set, but it has like a nice wooden box. Yes. So those yeah. are pretty epic. But yeah, this that one takes the cake. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for Lee to, for sending that along. It was is pretty entertaining. Um so, yeah, pretty pretty epic. Quite the production. It is. It's very pretty. And if someone has $3,000 that they'd like to spend on us, we would certainly take one. Oh, yes. Yes. We we would also accept uh what is it? The um Faber-Castell sponsorship where uh they would send us one for reviews. All all these things are are perfectly perfectly acceptable. Absolutely. Um, but somewhere maybe uh, closer in the realm of uh, what, what we usually get up to, um, one of our listeners uh, who's uh, Miss Thundercat on Twitter, she uh, she took up your um, sort of conundrum about the, um, which, which colored pencils were they? They were Faber-Castell pencils, the polychromos. Mm-hmm. Is that the one? Yeah, these were the ones I think that you had said that were really oily and you had had some problems with um, smudging. Yes. Um, also kind of related to our topic of limited color palette, um, because it looks like she just bought like five or six colors within like all the blue green range and was um, testing them out. This turned out beautiful. Her drawings, her little sketches and stuff. Yeah, and the the colors do look really nice together, and you can see that the the sort of oil content of them, she can get a lot of like saturation and really good mm-hmm. coverage in the coloring pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they turned out beautiful. Yep. And she referenced this coloring book that looked pretty pretty awesome. It's like an independent coloring book called Somewhere Under the Rainbow From by an illustrator named Tara Tara McPherson. McPherson. Mm-hmm. I met yeah. I met her at um. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con several years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's got kind of like a kind of like a gothic illustration style. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yep, she's done some comic book covers for um, Vertigo in the past. Very cool. Yep. So that was just that was if you're interested more about the Polychromos, you can check out the review. We'll have the link in the show notes. Um, and yeah, I think when we sent out our when we sent out our pencil cases when we did that giveaway a couple weeks ago, I slid one of those Polychromos into into the cases when we sent them out. Some of the ones that Anna had sent me. So um, I think both of those listeners had mentioned that they liked them too. Um, I like them as well. I haven't. I still haven't done like an in depth uh, sort of dive into all the pencils you sent over Anna but I've been sort of mucking about with them and I I think I do like those polychromos I like the kind of oily sticky sort of greasiness to them cool I'm glad you like them yeah so one of the other tidbits that came in our mailbox this week was um seven weird facts about Van Gogh which I thought was very interesting um it uh was just a uh listing of some information about some historical data about Van Gogh um, from things that uh, like um, Van Gogh may have had epilepsy and that may have been part of what influenced his work. Um, Partially what that uh, epilepsy may have altered his visual perception, which may have been why he saw the yellow spots that made him do yeah, Starry Night. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, some of his most famous work, Van Gogh believed, were failed efforts um, based on some of the 
um, quotes from letters that he wrote to his brother and to his friends. Yeah, is Van Gogh one of your favorite artists? If he, I, it seems like he comes up a lot. Is this somebody that you look up to in particular or um, enjoy especially? It's someone whose work I, I very much enjoy, and I also think it's someone who a lot of people are very familiar with his work. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's often um, interesting to hear, you know, someone who uh, is valued greatly for his visual uh, style and his work to know that. Um, you know, he was, he was very deeply, uh, you know, troubled. Um, he was not very fond of his work. Um, and yet his work is held in such high regard and that maybe there's something to be gained from that, that he didn't believe in his work and he should have, his work was beautiful and he had such a great, um, you know, there's so much about his work that he misunderstood and that people at that time misunderstood, you know, Mm-hmm. Have you seen the 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 Doctor Who Van Gogh episode? I love that episode. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nice like dramatization of that whole idea of you know just sort of from from what we have thinking about what his experience might have been. That's my little sister. One of her her favorite Doctor Who's um, as well. It's a it's a good one. Anyway, I will leave the. Um, link to the weird facts about Van Gogh in the show notes and you if you're interested in them you can read the rest of them but I found it very interesting and I've heard many stories about um, even just things as simple as that he had some bad eyesight and that was part of what made him see colors the way that he did and I think of a lot of painters and artists who will often take their glasses off to look at things Mm -hmm. Um, I have an astigmatism and so um, when I don't have my glasses on and I look at bright lights, they um, they sparkle. Ooh. So at a certain point, I guess I kind of see lights in the same way that Van Gogh does did. Um, they they like starburst. So like you've seen them in like you know in movies and television shows, like when they show and they have like the the striated lines around them. That's how I see them all the time. So I hate to I hate to drive at night because everything looks like a psychedelic show. <laughs> I've always had really really crisp eyesight like since I was since I was little and it always uh just really interested me the 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 notion that some other people like their unaided vision gives them this totally different visual vista of of the world and you know sometimes I think maybe that's not so entertaining like things are just a bit blurry and difficult and you get a headache um but other times I think yeah it can, it can be really interesting and complex the the different ways that you perceive the world it is very it's very peculiar and I always think of the story my friend told the first time she got glasses and looked up at the trees and she went they're individual leaves yeah I think the other one that my little sister said was like the the road goes on for so long <laughs> she, she was like seven or eight when she got her glasses and she has like coke bottle glasses she was one of those like young oh. ones that got them and like really you know people say like i didn't know that you could identify people by their faces you know i thought you just like a person was kind of a color blob and you had to wait to hear their voice to understand who they were I'm like oh Crazy. lord oh lord <laughs> that's that's not yeah. good well, one of our other little tidbits, and I've been meaning to put this in the notes for weeks, um, is... I know, we're finally going to get to this. <laughs> yay! Um, is there is a pencil case from Blue Q that says art supplies on it, and it says feed your creative juices, and it's not even $6, it's five ninety nine. It's available on Jet Pens, um, and it, we keep joking, it's like the you know, the case for, you know, the official art supply posse carrying case. Um, but yeah. it's totally cracks me up. And so we keep like, it keeps getting put off because um, we've been so busy and we've had so many other things to talk about. So this week it finally made it into the, the news and notes. So, yeah. And it has like a charming little illustration on it. Yes. I would, I would accept this as the official, official art supply posse case. Yep. Anyway. And it's got like a little rosy riveter that that feels mm-hmm. appropriate too. Yep, and she's she's got a bow and arrow, except instead of an arrow, it's a paintbrush. Yeah. So very cool. Cool. Um, and I have one other little tidbit. 
Um, one of my favorite creators, uh, Kyle Webster, who makes um, the most awesome collection of Photoshop brushes, um, did a whole series of um, Photoshop demos for um, Adobe's Create website. And there's a whole series of videos of how he paints in Photoshop. So you can make Photoshop brushes. Oh, Kyle makes the most amazing Photoshop brushes. How does that work? Do they have like a little like plug-in like shop or something? Um, his brushes are available through his web his website, and I think there's probably a link. Um, yes, KyleBrush.com. Um, there's a link in this create this Adobe Create uh, link. Um, to to find his brushes, but they are incredibly reasonably priced, but they are brushes that mimic watercolor, um, pastels, charcoal, pencils. He even has one that looks like ballpoint pen, um, gouache. They are the most amazing creations ever. And once you sort of figure out how to use them, and he has a lot of videos and stuff on YouTube about how he goes about using them to make them work for him but part of this this series of videos that he does um on the for this adobe create website is sort of how he uses these tools to make natural looking paintings in photoshop man and yeah these are i'm really curious about just how this works technically i didn't know that you could like add in your own brushes that's really cool yep his are set up as mostly as tool presets so they're um they're not just brushes, they also incorporate um, like dual brush and texture and um, a bunch of other effects within the brush palette. So they take a little bit of, of practice to get them to work, but um, they are worth the price of investment. So if you use Photoshop and you paint in Photoshop, totally worth it but watch his videos they're fun so before before we got on the before we started recording i was telling you that this morning i dropped off my little sister at the at the train station with my family and she is doing she's doing a year of uh like intensives like an intensive service project and part of that is that they have a pretty serious uh technology fast so they were limited about how many people could bring personal computers from their team and they all have uh just like flip phones there's no uh like smartphones allowed on the trip um and they're just going to be doing a lot of collaborative study and collaborative work um and so uh, mostly I'm so excited for that project for Aaron. It's going to be great. But selfishly, this means that Aaron's iPad Pro is just going to be lying fallow for the next 12 months. And I was like, so Aaron, what's the what's the plan for your iPad? She was like, are you going to be nice to it? And I was like, yeah, definitely. So <laughs> I think starting now, I could go over to my mom's house and grab it, at, which it's the it's like the setup and the um, Apple Pencil. So I'm really excited to start like goofing around a little bit with the Apple Pencil and looking at these videos of Kyle's brushes. I'm like, ooh, I get to start playing with that stuff. And she's going to probably have to like pry it out of my hands when she comes home at Christmas. <laughs> Probably. You want to tell them about our sponsor? Yeah, let's do our sponsor break. Um, so this week's episode is uh, sponsored by Art Snacks. As many of you will know, Art Snacks is a lovely retailer. Uh, they offer subscription boxes of high quality art supplies. Every month, Art Snacks sends their subscribers four to five full-size art supplies. And if you would like to try the subscription yourself, you can use coupon code ARTSUPPLYPOSSE for 10% off your first month. You will save a little bit of money um, and you'll also show your support support for the show and uh, this past month art snacks i think sent an especially exciting box um, which on and i just got back just got in the mail a couple days ago if you remember they had kind of the little sneak peek so i thought for for this week's read we could do a little like 
little mini review of the box and talk about what's in here. Um, so I, I think you called it on the on the sneak preview with the with the little like knurled handle that that we had saw in, in those photos that they sent out. I think I got lucky. Yeah. Um, so the the sneak peek was of the art snacks. What's the full name here? I always want to get these right. So Alvin plus art snacks 0.5 millimeter draftmatic mechanic pencil. So this is one of those really nice technical mechanical pencils. So um, there's a lot of clearance at the at the tip so that you can see the lines that you're making and make really precise, sharp lines if, if that's the kind of thing you're working on. And um, it also has this just this kind of technical construction um, metal and then a nice hard um, plastic. So this pencil is one that Alvin has made in the past, but it's in an exclusive uh, teal color for Art Snacks. And it's uh, co-branded between Alvin and Art Snacks. And this particular color is not going to be in production ever again. So it's a nice little uh, limited edition. And it even has the, the selector that technical pencils have where you can, you can spin the end of it and show what hardness of lead you have in. Um, it ships with HB graphite, um, but you can fill it with any hardness that you would like. Do you have a whole, like... Uh, holster of these kind of pencils Anna. i have i have quite a few but um it's nice they they sent a an 0.5 millimeter which is a good sort of middle range um not too thick not too fine um and i love the color of the plastic yeah it's really beautiful um if you recall back to the art supply not art supply the school supply episode um 0.5 is my sort of dogmatic pencil width choice um, I'm a big fan and I do most of my illustration in mechanical pencil like that's what I really like because I don't like having to stop and sharpen so I'm gonna be upgrading from my nice little plastic Bic pencils <laughs> up to this like gorgeous metal body uh, pencil it's all the all the the sort of mechanisms they're really nice and and tight like they just move really well in that way that high quality things do it's crazy that you get this pencil plus three other things um for the price of the box um it, it's pretty intense yep it was it was a good deal and going pretty closely along with that pencil this month there was the um Alum Aluma Color Hollow Triangular Drafting Scale. So this is one of those um rulers that's like shaped like a triangle and it has lots of different units on them. Um I've never had one of these before and this particular one is just about six inches long, so it's it's a nice one to take on the road with you if that's uh if that's ever a consideration. I'm just going to keep on asking you this, Anna. Like, do you have one of these? You have everything in that studio of yours. Um, I've never had one that's this shape before. Usually I have the flat with the cork back so that it's raised up. That's usually like mm, a, like yeah. a classic draft, drafting um, ruler because, they, oops, I dropped on the <laughs> ruler. Um, usually they raise them up a little bit so that if you're using um, an, an ink, um, pen or whatever it doesn't you don't get ink on the edge so uh, but this one's really kind of cool and it's got all these like weird measurements on here like three thirty seconds or three sixteenths or one eighth scale or quarter scale or yeah it's way beyond just having like centimeters and inches um and that's one of the things i thought about when i saw this was a lot of times if i'm if i'm doing diagrams or or, or planning things and i, I want to split this into like seven pieces or something like there's lots of different um divisions here that would make that easier than just trying to like use a standard 12 inch ruler to do that stuff see and i have no idea how to actually make that work i'm not that smart i'm sorry uh yeah if yeah. you give it to me in points or pikas i can do that <laughs> this is why i always buy a uh, gridded notebook paper so that i can i can i can help myself out with that i'm always making these like really obsessive schedules and diagrams of active projects and what i want to get done so and this is small enough that i can like stick it in my pencil case and bring it along with me so i'm pretty jazzed about that nice 
the next thing, I think we have sort of a m- mounting uh, collection of alcohol markers. <laughs> I feel yes. like this is the beast that is like growing in the dark. It's like, you guys are gonna have to talk about alcohol markers soon. Like it's gonna, it's gonna happen because our snacks have sent us another lovely dual tipped alcohol marker. Eventually, I'm gonna have to actually use them. I know it's. I think They're gonna it's, guilt me. I think into it's a little it. intimidating. So, what color did you get? I got. I am on such a good color streak with Art Snacks. Um, I got geranium red, which is lovely. It's it's like real saturated, kind of like uh, like a candy apple red would be, but it's got sort of like mauvey undertones. Like it's a little more blushy, which which I really like. That's that's real really up my alley. So if I look at the outside of mine, it looks like it's pale blue. Yeah, it does. That tricked me too. But then when I read the label, it says pale green. Did you look on the end? On the end, there's like a colored sticker. Ah, pale green. There you go. (laughs) Five and one. Yeah. So did your... Okay, so the other thing that we got was the Zig Clean Color Real Brush marker. Mm -hmm. Did Did yours match your... Uh, not, color. not like matchy matchy, but I think they're coordinated. I got a okay. purple brush pen. Uh, so mine almost match exactly. I, it's as if they knew they were sending them to me because they are both lime green. <laughs> they're both lime green. I got that in my very first Art Snacks box. Both of the pen, both of the markers that I got were like a very, very pale blue to the point where I was like, is, am I doing this wrong? Like I thought maybe the ink hadn't like saturated the tip, but it was just a really subtle color. Um, and they were both light blue. And I was like, is this, is this always going to be like this? But I, I, I'm getting the sense that the colors are pretty much just randomized. I don't think that there's coordination that happens. Um, but we never talked about that explicitly. Um, but this pen is great. I think this is going to be a great um, lettering. Like, mar- I don't know. Would you call this a marker? Or would you call this a pen? Um, I'm going to lean towards marker, mm-hmm. although they are water soluble. So Yeah. I, the copy calls it a marker. It says, but I, these are subjective terms. Yeah. You can also blend with another marker. Um, yeah. I'm excited about this because this um, this tip has a really nice... Um, like flex to it where it's stiff enough that I feel like I still have control more so than with a paintbrush or like a typical water brush. Um, but it's flexing enough that I can get that width variation. So I'm pretty jazzed about this one. I've been debating whether or not to buy like a set of these clean color because I have so many other sort of. Yeah, I've, I've seen these before too. And if I really like these, this might be this might be one that I go in for like at least an, an eight or a 12 color set um, because I've seen them floating around. I like Kurataki. <laughs> I like the, what are you, what are you laughing at? Because you're like, I'm going to get like an eight or a 12. And I'm like looking at the like, do I get the 36 or the 72? <laughs> <laughs> That's rude. Um, <laughs> my dreams Sorry. are big enough. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a small town kid. <laughs> I'm just amused that you get all excited about an eight or a twelve and I'm over here going thirty-six or seventy-two. I don't know if you've heard, but I live in a pretty small house, Anna. I can, I'm gonna be drowning in art supplies. <laughs> I am drowning in art supplies. Yeah, and it's not that bad, right? I should just lean into it. Lean into it. That's why they have to go in other rooms. <laughs> have I told you about my desk collection? Did we joke about no. this before? No. I had a young woman living with me uh, last year. She was like an 18-year-old who was working on finishing high school. And um, she was laughing at me because I was still getting my living room set up, which is also like my office area. And right now I can see four different bookshelves and two different desks that I have set in here, which is sort of like the happy medium that I've come to. Uh, and she was always joking, like, because I was always bringing more furniture in. She was like, are you just, like, amassing a desk collection? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, you haven't seen the finished product. It's going to be full of amazing stuff. Yeah, so I have enough. I have enough shelves. You're right. I can I can spring. I can spring for the, the 72. I could probably find a place for them to live. There you go. Think yeah. big. These pens, yeah, but I've seen them before. They're water-based, and as we've discussed, I like working with um, water media. So I think 
I think that might go on the old uh the old shopping list. Yeah, me too. <sighs> okay. So, so, um Happy Art Snacks box. Yeah. So, uh like we said before, uh coupon code Art Supply Posse for 10% off your first month. Um Thank you to Art Snacks. They've been uh, not just our sponsors, but big supporters of the show, um, really there from the beginning. Uh, and uh, they also just put out a, a blog post that you can check out. Um, they have updated their pricing for the the first time since they launched the company um, just over three years ago. So the boxes within the United States will be $24 um, and the international boxes will still just be ten dollars um, in addition to cover the shipping at 34. so if you're already a subscriber or if you are um, have been in the past and are on hold you will um, get the same pricing it'll sp- still be twenty dollars but moving forward it'll be 24. and um, lee and sarah sort of talked us through that a little bit they go over it in the in the blog post too they're they're looking forward to doing more collaborations like the one we saw this month with the with the Alvin pencil and you know shipping prices they go up every every year as does cost of living in every part of the country so I think it's a pretty reasonable um, update for them to make and they've been really transparent uh, about it so we'll put that post uh, right in the show notes if you if you want to read up a little bit more about it um, but and they also said that they have. Um, part of this is going to let them do some bigger, better, more awesome things in the future. So, yeah, yeah. And I am excited to be along for the ride. Anna and I, we both um, pay retail value for our boxes and we, we enjoy them greatly. And uh, we had both bought them before Art Snacks became a sponsor, um, but we are happy to have them along for the ride. So thank thank you to them. Yep. Um, so speaking of this great brush pen that I'm really excited about, we had, (laughs) as, as we were both getting ready to record, we had this little like Twitter conversation sort of spring up and we were like, (laughs) it's always so funny to figure out where to chat. We were like chatting back and forth on Twitter with one of our listeners while we were both, uh, prepping to get ready for the recording. I'm going to blame, that's why I was 10 minutes late, Anna. It's because I was being such an attentive podcast host on Twitter. Okay, right? I'll let you have that one. Okay. <laughs> um, did, I, did I put this here I, under the Ask ASP? Yeah. So um, Brandon Davis, who you can find on Twitter at um, BEDavis001, um, reached out. He's been working on some lettering, and he was wondering about transitioning from a, a Fude uh, tip brush pen, which has that plastic sheath, and it's a, it's a firmer tip that's easier to control, transitioning from that to a looser brush pen um and he was sort of wondering about making that transition and i told him that he was i was going through the same thing but he was a lot farther along with it than than i was but i think you had a little bit of advice anna um yeah i just did um i put together like a really quick really down and dirty little five minute video just sort of showing what the different tips sort of look like on paper um, I used um, just a little bit of um, sort of watercolor paper. I think it's watercolor paper. It was like a Strathmore multimedia paper um, and just demoed with um, the Pentel Touch, which is like the Pentel sign pen. It's the same pen, just sold under a different name. Um, and I had the plat- uh, just a platinum uh, synthetic brush pen. Um, I had the Kurataki or the, yeah, the Zig clean color, but mine was, is such a light green. It was hard to see on the video. So I switched to the platinum just because it was, had black ink in it and was a little bit easier to see, but it had the same sort of level of softness. Your manicure is on really good display in this video too. Thank you. That's left over from the San Francisco show. It's great. It's it's an it's um surprise surprise everyone. It's a light green color. <laughs> it's actually it's pale blue. It's, it's pale blue. It's, Ander- it's Anderson Penn's blue. Aww. So cool. But yeah, so it was just a really quick just to sort of show. They they work the same, but it definitely takes a lot lighter. I think it takes a lot lighter touch with the the brush tip the the synthetic brush tip rather than the fude which takes more pressure yeah you kind of have to push down on yeah. that um 
Yeah, Brandon was getting a lot of um, width variation with the with the Pentel pens that he was using. So I think maybe he's been using them for a while and got them like loosened up, or maybe that's just uh, like a less a less firm Fude that that he was using. But I thought he was doing a really good job getting some. Um, he had like a little video on his Twitter of um, him actually doing this really great lettering of uh, Bulbasaur and Charizard and Squirtle. It was great. Cool. I was like, that's the perfect thing to be lettering. That was pretty awesome. Very cool. I'll have to go back and find those videos. Look at them. Yeah, that was cool. All right, we ready but, for the for the main event? Yep. Uh, so sort of following on with our, with our color discussion last week, um, we wanted to talk about the the benefits of using a limited palette and that in response to sort of the uh the kind of the the fear and freezing up that you can sometimes get looking at a big uh like one of those infinite color wheels that you see on like an rgb selector where it's just so many different colors or even staring into your 72 color set of brush markers I can just it can be a little intimidating and I think also using too many colors in your work it can end up I find sometimes if I make a drawing and then I try to color it I can end up looking a little coloring book in a in sort of an elementary school way if it's like oh my trees are green and my dirt is brown and my apples are red um, as opposed to just using a restrained palette and trying more to pick up the the light in the scene and get the mood from the scene and I, I think that's a way to sort of push past maybe that that first initial sense of color that can be a little maybe amateurish. Yeah. Not, you know, and I mean, I think it's part of that is that sort of, yeah, the fire hose approach of with color is that if you have an entire box of 72 colors, um, you don't necessarily have to use all of them. And that some of the benefit comes from pulling out five or six or eight, you know, just that small selection. Um, but one of the first examples that I thought of, right out of the gate was um, Pablo Picasso's blue period where mm. he really worked almost exclusively with just blues and greens um, in for three years. He basically painted with almost nothing but blue, black, a little bit of blue green. Um, and, you know, he did the, the old guitarist. He did the, the blue woman. I mean, these are all paintings that chances are you've probably seen at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that he was necessarily in the best frame of mind at the time that he painted these. There's talk that he was a little depressed at the time that he painted these, but it was definitely a good experiment in painting um, with a very limited color palette and is such a great, just a great example of, you know, working with a small, with a, with a limited palette and is a very classic example yeah. of, yeah. of a small palette um yeah i think one of my favorite examples um is this uh this like short graphic novel that um dylan mcconus um wrote and illustrated called outfoxed had you seen this before anna i had not seen it um so i i listened to her talk about this project on the uh new disruptors podcast that was hosted by um glenn fleshman like back in 2012 Mm -hmm. and 13 and what she did with this piece is she used um just black and white and then one single um hue at different shades did i say that right um, I think so. Yeah, so just like at different levels of uh, saturation, and she did that not only as a creative constraint, but because she knew that she was going to get this printed, and she wanted to limit it to one tone, uh, w- one single Pantone like spot color. She even talked about like so working tint. <laughs> tint? tints. Okay, yeah, different yeah, tints tint- of the same of a- hue. Yeah. And so in particular, she wanted to use something that could be like an orangey fox color and then at lower saturations be a a light European flesh tone. And it's a it's a great little story and it's only sort of enhanced by the the restraint that she used. Um, I just I love her work and I love this piece in particular. So, yeah, you can you can get a lot out of a little when it comes to color. What I find interesting is actually looking at this reminds me an awful lot of using a red blue pencil. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because even even though the other color is supposed to be black, to me it looks like navy blue. It looks like a um like a dark blue color. It does, yeah. I think because it's not quite a a perfect black, it's like a deep mm-hmm. gray and so it, it it looks a little different depending on what color it's next to and since it's next to this like ready orange, it kind of does almost look like a like a dark blue. Mhm. Yeah. So. Um I actually I have a I bought a copy of this of this comic. So I have a, a printed copy of it. There's also just a really beautiful version that you can see online. Um and <laughs> when I ordered it, um I guess uh Dylan had been sick for a couple of weeks, so there was a little bit of a delay when she sent it to me and so she wrote me a little note and said, you know, like sorry for the delay and she like made a little drawing for me and she said, like, I was sick, so at least this this time like the package didn't come with a bunch of like fluid germs <laughs> wrapped up with it. <laughs> um so that was kind of clever um and fun. Uh yeah, really appreciate her work and uh and this piece in particular. So there's actually, it reminds me, there's an article in um, craftsy.com did a blog post called Four Ways to Use a Limited Palette for Dramatic Artwork. Oh, that was great. I I think that I I love this post. Um, I I saw that you had put it in the notes and I read through it and I thought their examples were great. And uh, the sort of instruction that they gave, I I really appreciated it. Yeah. Um, There's, it talks about using two different colors just to show light versus dark. Um, picking a light color and a dark color to show contrast, Um, picking colors that mix really well, like a blue and a yellow, because when you combine the two, you can create greens. Um, And then picking colors for dramatic effect. Um, So like a, a blue, like there's a great piece of artwork where there's basically really dark colors and then they just leave the white showing through like the paper to create a moon. So it's like a robot silhouette and a moon. It's just yeah. really dramatic. Effect. Oh my god, I love that. It's like a little farm scene with this huge robot. That um that little scene could be like out my back window. Like that's what that's what my county looks like. That's really making me happy. Yeah. So just really but thinking about limited palette as a as a way to to create just some really vivid artwork. But um those all reflected back to um one of my favorite artists and one of my favorite projects, um, uh, Lisa Congdon, who has been doing a project a week called Experiments in Blue. Oh, yeah. So for the entire year, every week, she's done a painting or a drawing where she's just worked in shades of blue. So some weeks it's just a sketchbook drawing, some weeks it's a painting, some weeks... Um, but she focuses most specifically on blue, and sometimes she adds a little bit of red or yellow to her pieces. But, you know, it's it's just the pieces are wonderful to look at, and it's so her only constraint really is her color choice. So sometimes they're real graphic, sometimes they're florals. She just, you know, and she talks through this whole this whole project about how she's hit points where she gets very frustrated um, that she's talked herself into doing this project and how, you know, she's like, it's made her very, you know, like too many constraints. She's not sure she wants to keep doing it, um, but that she keeps working on it. And it's that she's kind of worked through her challenge to do this project, which I think is just, it's just been fascinating to read and to look at these each week and see what she's created. Um, and how she's just sort of pushed her way through this challenge. Yeah, I think that kind of constraint can work really well because if if you're a beginner, it gives you a little bit of something to get started so that you're not it's not just a blank page, it's like blank page plus I'm going to use blue. But then also if you're a a really experienced illustrator or a professional illustrator, that kind of constraint gives you the opportunity to push deeper instead of doing the same things that you know will work really well, you know, like it sounds like maybe her experience has been is getting frustrated with the constraints and having to reach deeper for what can be created in that sort of tiny shrunken world of possibilities. Yep. And I've kind of been joking because um, I must like the work that has this sort of limited palette um, because it's like 
as I was putting together the notes for this week, I'm like, oh, goody, I get to talk about Lisa Congdon. Oh, goody, I get to talk about um, Uncle Be- uh, Vecman. And I'm like, I think this is just a secret hidden agenda for me to talk about all my favorite artists. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like the, the notes came together pretty quickly. Um, this woman in, Women in Science Project. Oh, my gosh, I love this. Anna, you just like, you, you're just like bubbling over with great illustrators. Okay, this is Rachel Ignatowski. She's a former Hallmarker. Um, so I was so excited about this. I was like, oh, goody, I get to talk about Rachel Ignatowski. I'm so excited. Yeah, talk a little <laughs> bit about the composition of these pages. Um, so what Rachel did with these with this book is she did a book called Women in Science, and she did illustrations and writing about 50 women in science. And each page is illustrated in black, white, and one spot color um, done in tints. So like one page is all shades of purple, one page is all shades of red, one page is all shades of like lime green for each um, scientist. And these, they're just fantastic. And I mean, the the huge kicker of this whole project is not only did she do all the illustrations, she did all the, she did all the research and the writing for all of this too. So the, like the big deal is she like left Hallmark to go pursue her own projects. Um, and one of the projects was to do this book. And in the process of doing this book, she basically is now not only an illustrator, but also an author and Ugh. like has gone off and done a book tour. And like, you know, like, I mean, like, like people at Hallmark are now like, wow, like we know this person and she's gone off and done all these like wonderful things. And we're so excited for her. But, um, as I was clicking onto Lisa Congdon's website, she just did an interview with Rachel about this book that she did. So Rachel's getting a lot of really great press about this book. Yeah, I'm getting a little, uh, I'm tearing up a little bit just like reading the copy. Um, a lot of these women are uh, women that have lived in centuries before ours, uh, where life as a scientist, as a woman, uh, a little bit rough uh, in some particular ways. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. And, Not uh, that it's any piece of cake these days. Um, no, and she said she said one um uh, one of my coworkers who sits right next to me is really good friends with Rachel. So I've been getting like bits and pieces of stories as Rachel's been doing book tours and stuff. Um, my friend will come back and be like, "Oh, Rachel just came back from her book tour," and so I'll get little tidbits. So it's like all, everything I've heard is secondhand, but I've basically been living vicariously through all these little stories. And so I've heard through the oh my gosh, grapevine. the book the book is only fourteen dollars. What? Yeah, okay, it's totally amazing. So go order it on Amazon yeah, right now. Yeah, definitely. Or from your favorite local bookstore and tell them <laughs> to order more copies. Yes. Oh wow. Um, but she's also she's working on a new book about women in sports. Oh. Don't tell anybody you heard it from me. Oh my gosh, we're gonna be best friends. She just it's, won't know yeah. about it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Not until we can get her talked on to the show. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yes, very exciting. We'll put a link to the art, um, the interview that Lisa Congdon did with Rachel, and we'll also put a link to Rachel's website where you can see more of her wonderful crazy illustrations and she does a lot of work with um kind of uh, limited color palettes um but just great super cool illustrations and i love her stuff she does lots of crazy sciencey um illustrations and i just think she's super cool and i wish i'd gotten to know her better when she was at hallmark but she came and and went pretty quickly yeah, she has pretty high resolution photos of six different spreads from the book on her site. So you can get a really good sense of what will be in the book and what sort of compositions uh, there will be. Yep, I think this book will be coming to my house. And then I think if we ever do get on the, sh- on the show, I'll do a lot of like, um, 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 uh, <laughs> how, how you be so good at the, at the book is good. <laughs> Well, I got really excited because one of my favorite uh, um, knit designers posted a picture of having gotten a copy of the book. And I was like, oh, my worlds are colliding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well done, Rachel. Anyway. That's pretty awesome. So we're going to go back to limited color palettes. There's a couple other um, little ideas about limited color palettes. One of the um, ideas is like, going back to sort of like water building like watercolor palettes um 
there's an article about um, building. Was it the, you were talking about the Zorn palette? Was I? You were. You want to talk about it? You want me to talk about it? Uh, why don't you talk about it first? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna work on remembering when I was talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Zorn palette was the idea of like limiting your palette, I think, to four colors. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think I remember this because there's this like really beautiful like taped off palette. Oh man, this is making me really happy. Uh, he. Um, it was the idea was limiting it to like yellow ochre, cadmium red, black, and white. Mm-hmm. Um, though there's some indications that he also used vermilion, viridian, and or cerulean blue. But by limiting their palettes, it created a more harmonious. By just using those colors and then mixing them to create other colors, he got a more harmonious quality to his paintings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it has any appeal to anybody, but it's really an interesting idea. And just seeing, we have a link um, for the show notes of showing just how he blended the colors to create a, a broader palette. It's just interesting. It's kind of funky, but they a lot of portraiture and nature images, um, very moody. They feel very Russian for some reason to me. Yeah, well, I'm looking at a portrait of a man in, like, a fur hat and, like, a big fur coat, like a real Russian-style hat. So, yeah, I'm getting that vibe, too. So, it's definitely something that, even from an experimental standpoint, to just try and see if you can build out those colors and see, you know, just trying to build out this, like, Zorn palette grid and see if you can blend those colors, whether you're using um, watercolor or acrylic or or oil paints or something and just see if you can blend them and what they look like for you. Yeah. It'd just be an interesting experiment. Yeah. I'm having a feeling that I haven't had so far on the show, which is like, all right, I'm out. I'll talk to you later on. I'm going to go and <laughs> go make some paintings. <laughs> I'm getting so excited looking at that. Just be a fun experiment. Yeah. If anybody decides to do it, just, um, you know, post a picture somewhere and, and uh, give us a shout out on Twitter or or something because we'd love to see how that worked out if you, if it was if it worked or if it was like this is ridiculous I stopped halfway through this is terrible I don't like doing this at all yeah I mean and and if you have a a closet full of art supplies and you bought the biggest set of colors for everything you ever bought you know like the seventy two the one forty six like this can be a good way to to limit yourself and have some discipline. Um, but it can also be good if you have a smaller budget for art supplies and thinking about buying open stock markers and doing that in a way that you just don't end up with just a bunch of, um, you know, jumbled things, but you end up with something that you can really use um, on an ongoing basis and, and do that with some intention. That can be a nice way to get in um, pretty cheap. Yeah. There's another example where somebody took just six colors to create like a little tiny um, miniature watercolor palette using just six colors. And uh, it's basically very similar sort of palette um, to the Zorn palette, but did add the cerulean, um, basically two shades, two shades of blue, two shades of red and two shades of yellow. And from that, um, you know, their theory is that you can be basically blend the color, you know, a bunch of other colors that you need. Um, and that you'd have a really nice little portable travel kit. So, okay, so I have something I have something to admit on it. And you have to promise to, to still be my friend afterwards. Sure. <laughs> uh, because based on some photos I've seen of you, I think this might be a little horrifying. Um, but I uh, pretty much only where like all the clothes that I buy basically are either black and gray and white or like blue. Like I really don't have any other color in my entire wardrobe, like quite on purpose because I just find all the options a little overwhelming and I do most of my shopping like at secondhand stores. So I'm like, okay, it'll just be easier if I can just like limit the scope of possibilities, then I can, I can feel less like, uh, like I'm flipping out when I'm going shopping, like there's way too many options. (laughs) Well, I think you and Carl Lagerfeld would get along famously. Isn't that the truth, man? Maybe I should have been nicer to him. Yeah, to the point where people comment on it when I do happen to wear like a colorful scarf or something. 
I was babysitting this like little like uh, seven year old girl uh, like every day of the week for for about a year. Like I would take her and her brother to school. And one day I happened to come from the come from the gym and I just had a bunch of goofy, colorful like gym clothes on. She was like, you're wearing color. (laughs) And I was like, it's like, that's rude. (laughs) It's I can wear black leggings for the rest of my life. Thank you. I'm very, very happy. (laughs) Well, you know, with bright pink hair, sometimes it's hard to coordinate. I do wear a lot of black and gray as well, but, you know, pink hair kind of sells itself. Yeah, I bet even if you wore black and gray every day, you you probably wouldn't get that reputation because the the pink hair sort of speaks pretty strongly. Yes. I wear black to work and people are like, you're so colorful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, on that note. Our limited palettes are leaving. Yeah, I I think so. I think that's about it for this week. Um, You want to take us out, Anna? Sure. We'd like to thank Arts Snacks for continuing to believe in Art Supply Posse. Don't forget to give their monthly subscription a try. Visit artsnacks.co and remember to use the coupon code ARTSUPPLYPOSSE for 10% off your first month. You can find us at ARTSUPPLYPOSSE on Twitter and Instagram. You can post your questions to the hashtag AskASP on Twitter. You can send us your questions or comments to hello at artsupplyposse.com. And if you would like to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. Thanks again for listening. Check us next week. Say goodbye, Heather. Uh, Goodbye. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, Posse. Goodbye.